had an audience or congregation, I would say, let the church say amen. But even at home, I dare you say amen if you believe that God is still worthy of all the things that Minister Tolliver sung about when he talked about the things that had been going on, but yet God is still good. If you're watching my way of live stream, YouTube, whatever you're watching, I dare you testify and shout amen. Just type amen in the chat that you believe that God is worthy of all of our praise. He's worthy of all the things that we can give to him because in spite of, he still is a good God. Growing up as a youth, I remember different things about my, my childhood that my grandmother taught me. And one of the things that she would always teach me was about the goodness of God. She would sing a song sitting at the kitchen table. And the song would be an old familiar hymn. And she would talk about, I'm going up the rough side of the mountain. And I'm doing my best. doing my best to make it in and you would say well if God is so good and you're going up a rough side of the mountain would that be an indication that there must be something wrong with your God but if you were naive enough to ask her something like that she would follow up by saying this Miss Minnie she would say I believe from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same that God is still worthy to be praised. Bless you. Bless you. Regardless of what a situation may look like, he's still worthy. Job said it this way, yet though he slay me, yet will I trust him because he's worthy. He's worthy of all of our praise. Father, we thank you one more time to stand on your behalf and declare to a dying world that you're still worthy. Father, I thank you that I have another opportunity to stand up and proclaim the goodness in the land of the living. So God, I give myself to you that you might speak into the hearts of your people this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Marcus, thank you, brother. We're on the pre, if you will, of our Thanksgiving season. Um, we're in the beginning of it, and many of us have found ourselves in a place where, you know, some of you guys may have done it when November the 1st rolled in. You started day one of 26 saying, I'm thankful for this. I'm, I'm thankful that God woke me up this morning. And then day two, Gerald will come and they'll say, I'm thankful for my family. Day three will come and they'll say, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that I have a job to go to. And then day four will come and they'll say, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for a portion of health and strength, and they would go on day five and day six and day seven and day eight and day nine and 
they would do this and they would do it in such a way that uh, it was an opportunity for them to be reminded of the things that they were grateful for. And I remember something that Marcus so eloquently put, and I was ecstatic because it was part of my message. He said that 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 thing, that that thing that may be bothering you, don't allow that thing to cause you to lose sight of who God is and how great he is. And so this morning, if you allow me for just a few minutes, I, I want to use for a thought or a subject, when's the last time you thanked me for it? I believe that if Jesus was sitting in front of us, I believe he would ask us the question, when was the last time you thanked me for it? Now, for some of us, we were, were probably sitting here perplexed trying to figure out what in the world is Pastor D talking about. And what I'll, I'll, I'll tell you is this. I, I, I believe that when we get to heaven, I believe that there's a couple things that God is going to ask us. I, I, I believe um, he's going to ask us the question, Ms. Millie, uh, what did you do with my son who I sent to Calvary's cross to die for you? Did, did you? Did you accept them or did you reject them? I, I just personally believe that we're going to have to give an account for that because the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is everlasting life. And so I just believe that God has given us such a precious gift that has opened up eternity for us. And if we're not uh, 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 gracious or appreciative or thanksgiving towards it, then we can literally miss out on eternal life. He said it this way in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And I was meditating as I prepared this message this week, and I was thinking about here we are in a time of thanksgiving. And I, I, I labored before the Lord and I asked him a question. I said, Lord, I, I. I know this is a season where everybody's giving Thanksgiving. I, I know this is a season where uh, Thanksgiving is on the forefront of everybody's mind. But, but, but is there a message that you want to give to your people? Because you know how it is. When, when things are bad, oftentimes people begin to have a, a different kind of prayer life. When all hell is breaking loose, you, you, you typically uh, have this, 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 this more direct dialogue with God. You, you, you're praying a little bit more. Some of us even start fasting a little more because we don't like our current circumstances or our current situation. So our hearts tell us that in order for this thing to shift, we, we got to get to the face of Jesus. Almost like the woman with the issue of blood. I, I need this situation to change because I've tried everything else and now I'm at my wit's end. So I want to try Jesus. Almost like Zacchaeus when he was in the midst of trying to figure out life and he ran and climbed up in a tree because he needed Jesus. I believe that many of us are, are grateful in this season, but, but when things are going awry, that's when we began to seek them a little more. But then Thanksgiving comes, and you don't have to be going through anything, but Thanksgiving season will cause you to want to give thanks a little more often. At least for the next couple of days, we, we'll, we'll, our minds will be infatuated with giving Thanksgiving, and then we'll start hearing the temptation saying, Silent Night. And, and, and then sometimes we began to forget about Thanksgiving and we start putting our focus and our attention on this man who's uh, a little obese and he has a, a red suit with white fur around the end. And that season of Thanksgiving can sometimes get lost. 
And then our mindsets are no longer towards giving thanks for what he's done, but we start turning our attention for seeking things that we need or even things that we want or even things that we desire. And so when I prayed this morning, Kevin, and I was seeking the Lord throughout the week, I began to ask him, I said, Lord, if, the, if you could give your people a message during the season while you have their attention, what would it be? And it was a tough one for me to swallow, Brantley, because when I, I, I looked at it, he said, when's the last time you, 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 you thanked me for it? And I said, Lord, everybody's giving you thanksgiving right now. Everybody's saying, Lord, I thank you for this. Lord, I thank you for that. But, but he, he, he posed the question again in my quiet hour. He said, I, I, I understand that they're giving thanks for those things, but, but when's the last time... They thank me for it. And, and I, I, I said, Lord, what, what are you talking about? And I remember he took me back to uh, Piedmont Medical Center, and I was sitting in the hospital room, and I was uh, going through a trial and tribulation because I had broken my leg. My wife was dealing with having surgery, and I was just trying to figure out life. And I was, remember sitting in the recliner, and I looked out of the hospital window staring up at the moon. And I began to lay out a laundry list of reasons why I felt like I shouldn't be going through what I was going through. Anybody ever done that before? L Lord, I'm serving you. Why, why I'm going through this? L Lord, I'm faithful to you. Why, why I'm going through this? Lord, I'm tithing. Why I got laid off? You, you, you know, sometimes you put a laundry list out there, your, your list of righteousness. And I began to uh, say, Lord, I, I'm serving you. Lord, I I walked away from what I thought was a different type of career to, to, to pursue this gospel ministry. And, and here I am doing what you called me to do. I've given my life to so many people. I've given resources to so many people. Why in the world would I be laying in the, in the hospital waiting to have surgery while supporting my wife while she's having hers? And he asked me this question. He said, you gave your life to me, didn't you? And I was puzzled at first because I said, yeah, Lord, I, I gave my life to you, but, 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 but what, are you, what are you getting at? And he asked me this question, Harriet. Harriet said, I never use her name in my sermon, so Harriet's sitting over there in the dark, theoretically, but that's where she usually sits. I told her, we usually call the names of the people that are sitting in the lights because those are the only people we can see when the lights are off in the auditorium. But, 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 but I, I, he said, you gave your life to me, didn't you? And I, I said, yeah. He said, let me ask you a question. Did you give your life to me just to have eternal life? Or did you give your life to me to do what I desired to do with it? And at that moment, I, I had to fall back in my seat and I, I said, Lord, yeah, yeah, I desire eternal life. And he said, well, if you desire eternal life, but, but, but did you allow me to do what I want to do with it? Because remember, I'm still God. And so after we had a gut-checking conversation, I, I came to the realization that, you know what? Because I serve God, because he is God, I've given my life to him. But not only did I give my life to him for eternal life, but I gave it to him to do whatever else. And that was the thing, Gerald, that I was reminded of when he said, when's the last time you thanked me for it? He said, Robinson, you remember when I had a conversation with you and the conversation that I had with you, you began to talk about you giving me your life. 
He said, if, if you remember giving me your life, then that's the thing that I need you to always be mindful of thanking me for. See, sometimes we can get so caught up in thanking God for other things. We can get so caught up in thanking God for allowing us to graduate college. We, we can get caught up in thanking God for allowing our kids to be safe. We can get caught up in allowing God, for God allowing us to, to prosper in our, in our health and in our wealth. We can get so caught up in thanking God for allowing us to do all these things. But my question to you this morning is, when's the last time you lifted up your hands and said, you know what, God? I thank you for saving my soul. God, I thank you for sending your son to Calvary's cross for me. God, I thank you for sending your son who shouldn't have had to do it, but he hung there from the 12th to the 9th hour and died, and he died on my behalf. When's the last time you thank God for sending his son Jesus to die for you? Because when you have a mindset where that's at the front forefront of your mind and you, you, you don't let days and weeks and months and years go by where you thank God for sending his son to die for you, I believe then you have a greater appreciation for the gospel and what Jesus has done. Because I believe that when you understand what Jesus has done and he's paid a penalty that he didn't have to pay, but he paid it because he loves us so much, I believe that's when our mindsets will shift, our hearts will shift, our actions will shift, and everything about us will begin to change because we have a different understanding that God didn't have to do it, but he did. And because he did, I'm going to always give him glory. If this place was full, we'll be shouting right now. Because I believe this. God is saying, don't get caught, so caught up in all the other th great things that I've done. Because don't, don't the, the, please remember now, I'm the one that done all those things, but I did something that I didn't have to do. And the biggest thing that I did was send my only begotten son to die for you. You know, one of the songs that we sing often here at Ember Church, I think it's Reckless Love. Chris, if you're watching, help me help me and make sure I'm right. I need you to fact check me on this one. But 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 we we sing the song called Reckless Love. And, and there's a line in this song that I believe should be all of our testimony and a line that all of us could have written. It said that even when I was your foe. Your love fought for me. Even when. I had a mindset to do something else. Even when my heart was postured to go left, when, when you told me to go right and I did it anyway, even when I, I did all of these things that I know without a shadow of a doubt shouldn't have been the things that I have done, but, but yet you still love me. Still your love fought for me. Still you left the 99 and you came chasing for me. Why? Because you love me. That When's the last time you thanked them for it? Webster said that Thanksgiving is an expression of gratitude. Thanksgiving is when you're grateful for something. You know, in, in a couple of days, if it be the Lord's will, I'll be embarking on a new decade. And I was looking at social media this morning, and you know how Facebook talks about memories. I, I was strolling through my memories, and there was a 10-year memory, and it was my son as a little boy, and and I was a lot lighter. I, I didn't weigh as much in the picture. And then there was another picture of my daughter that was 11 years back. And, you know, I, I, I didn't have the couple of grays that's in my beard right now. And I was looking at this picture and I, I was thinking about what had all transpired throughout that time. I, I remembered the ups and I remembered the downs. And I had a moment even as I began to drive down the church and I was in the car by myself, I was moved to tears. And 
I, I, I started uh, crying a little bit because I was just thinking about how good God had been. I, I, I remembered how, as Marcus said, uh, some of the people that was with me 10 years ago and 11 years ago, I couldn't tell you where they were. But yet God's never left my side. I, I remember days when I, I felt invincible and, and I knew that it was only because God was still with me. And I, I, I remember days when I didn't even feel like I could put one foot in front of the other. And I, I, I realized that even then, God was still with me. And so I began to have this, this moment of gratitude, this, this moment that was carried out by, by tears and, 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 and just mumblers, mumblings of, of saying, God, you're good. God, you're good. God, God, I thank you. God, you're worthy. You know, I, I used to say this. I used to say, the older I get, the, emo the more emotional I've become. But I found, Gerald, that, that, that that's not quite accurate. It, it, it's not more emotional. It's, I'm more grateful. I'm, I'm, I'm more grateful with every moment that goes by because I realize that it's a moment that I didn't have to be able to see. But it's just because he was so good. I, I, I get, I, I'm grateful when, when the days and the weeks and the months roll by because I realize that there's somebody that if you call their phone number, they can't answer. I'm, I'm grateful because I, I know as days and months and weeks go by, that, that, that there's still some people that are having to leave out of their, their only source of income carrying a box, but yet God is still allowing me to go day in and day out. I began to realize how grateful I am for the things that God has done, but my, my, my prayer this morning is this, is that you don't get so caught up in all the other blessings that God has given you that you forget about the best blessing that God has given you. Even when I was your foe, your love fought for me. First Thessalonians chapter number five is our scripture this morning. It says this in verse number 16. It says, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Now, I didn't have enough time to do all the research, so I'm going to take some of the scholars at their word this morning. In the Old Testament, the word or the phrase thanks in some manner comes up 102 times. In the New Testament, it comes up about 72 of those times, 72 times. And the definition of, 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 of the word thanks that they're using 
Um, it can be summed up by First Chronicles 16 and 34. It says, acknowledging what is right about God and, and thanksgiving and in praise. And it can also be meant to acknowledge uh, that God is amazing and that we're confessing our sin before him. And so thanksgiving is a moment where we say, God, I simply thank you for who you are and for what you've done. In the Old Testament, as I as I mentioned about 72 times, it came up where it, it talked about gratitude in some form or another. And I, I, I remember when I looked throughout the scripture and these are scriptures that I I known as a kid. Some of them, many, many were. And it, it said in Psalms uh, 7 and 17, it says, I will give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness. I will sing praises of the name of the Lord most high. And in Psalms chapter number nine, verse number one, it says, I will give thanks to the Lord. Lord, with all my heart, I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. And as you keep going in Psalms 91, uh, 95, one through three, it says, come and let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and exalt him with music and song for the Lord is great and he's great above all gods. Psalms 104 and 5, it says, enter into his thanks with his courts, with his, his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his holy name for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. So throughout the Bible is recorded time and time again about how God is amazing and how thanksgiving is owed unto God. And as I looked at this, I, I at this scripture in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, verse 16, I, I was reading in, in Barron's, our, our, our biblical scholar, and, and as I looked at this, I began to read the backdrop of this story, and I I know that this was a letter that Paul was writing to the church, um, uh, the Thessalonian church, and he was writing, and I, I had to go back and read the beginning to the end of it because I was like, okay, God, what, why are you telling them? Why is Paul instructing them to give thanks in all things? Could, could it be that they've gotten complacent where they just thought that God was just supposed to do it? Or... Could it be that you were reminding them? And what I found out, Ms. Miller, was that in, in chapter number six, verse number four, rather, it says, but you are not in the dark about these things. Dear brothers and sisters, you, you, you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief, for you are children of the light and of the day, and you don't belong to darkness and night, so be on your guard and, and, and not asleep like others. Uh, stay alert and clear-headed. I believe that God, that, that, that Paul was simply reminding them that, look, now, you're going to see some amazing things that God does. And so you got to give thanks in all of those things. But this morning, I believe God is asking his church to don't lose sight of the thing that he's done that's the greatest thing of all. And that's sending his son to die for us. Because if Jesus never died, the prosperity wouldn't have mattered. If Jesus wouldn't have died, the blessings you got yesterday wouldn't have really mattered. If Jesus wouldn't have died, the, the great things that you were able to accomplish throughout your life, they wouldn't have mattered. If, if, if Jesus wouldn't have died, 
The thing that you typed on uh, day number one of November, it wouldn't have mattered. If, if, if Jesus wouldn't have died, the thing that you, you tweeted or, or you posted on Facebook day 16 of, of 26, it, it, it wouldn't have mattered. The scripture says it this way. It says, what profit the man to, 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 to gain the world and lose his soul? The only way that your soul can have eternal life is through the death, the burial, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. My grandmother would always tell us that if it had not been for what happened on Calvary, all else would be vanity. I'll get ready to wrap this thing up. Praise and worship was kind of shorter this morning and the message, we're, we're not going to be as long, but, but, but I want to wrap this up with a story that my prayer is you'll be able to relate to, you'll be able to see something inside of it, and ultimately, as a result of it, you'll be blessed. There was a father who had a son, and every morning, the son would come into his bedroom, and he would ask his father, Father... Do you think it's possible for me to be a NASCAR driver? Father, do you, do, do you think it's possible that, that, that I can race as fast as Richard Petty one day? Father, do you, do, do you think that, 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 that I can be as fast as Jeff Gordon one day? Do you, do you think that I can be as fast as, as Dale Earnhardt one day? And the dad said, son, you can do whatever you want to do. And so every morning, the boy would wake up and he would say, I'm going to be a NASCAR driver. I'm, I'm, I'm going to race the, the Daytona 500. And as he got older, he got into go-kart riding. And he would ride his go-karts to the point that he got skilled enough where he asked his dad if he could race on the dirt uh, golf cart, the go-kart series. And he went and he won all types of trophies, medals, and awards. And about this time, he kind of got up to his middle school years, and he said, Dad, I, I, I'm going to be a NASCAR driver. And the dad said, okay. So they started building what they call funny cars, and they started taking them to the dirt track. 14, 15 years old, he was racing against 17 and 18-year-olds. After every win, he would come back to the pit, and he would tell his dad, man, my dream is to one day be a NASCAR driver. At the age of 19, he got a phone call one day. And they asked him, they said, we've watched you come up through the, the ranks, and we believe you have what it takes. So now this, this young boy who's a young man, he's become a NASCAR driver, his dream. And he came back and he had a conversation with his dad. He said, Dad, I, I want to thank you for my first go-kart. 
Dad said, you're welcome, son. He, he came back because he didn't really see this, the, the, I guess, the expression that he wanted. So he came back, Gerald, and he said, Dad, I, I, I thank you for every time I wreck my goat cart, you will wake up early Saturday morning, and we would fix it and put it back together. And Dad said, thank you, son. And the dad was still mild-mannered. And the son was still confused. He came back and he said, Dad, Dad I, I, I thank you for taking me to the dirt racetrack. Dad said, you're, you're welcome, son. A little while later, he came back, still puzzled. He said, Dad, I, I thank you that, I, I, that you and Mom made sacrifices to allow me to, 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 to do the things that I've done as it relates to racing. And the dad said, thank you, son. Still bothered, the son came back. And he said, Dad, I, when, I, when I win the Daytona 500 and I get my first paycheck, I'm going to pay you back for everything you've done. And the dad again said, thank you, son. And at this point, the, the son was frustrated. He said, Dad, can I ask you a question? Dad said, sure. He said, I, I've thanked you for my goat carts. I've thanked you for helping me put them back together. I, I, I thank you for taking me to the tracks after a long day's work. I, I thank you for the sacrifices that you and mom made. I, I thank you for, I thank you for everything that you've ever done. Why is it that you're still just sitting there? And the dad said, it's because you haven't thanked me for the one thing that mattered. And it left the young boy puzzled. He went back and he replayed everything. He sat in his bedroom and he looked at all the trophies, all the medals, all the pictures, trying to figure out what this one thing was. And the dad, as he walked by the room, he saw his son sitting on the side of the bed, and he could see that his face was disturbed. So the dad, being a good father, he walked in, he sat down, and he put his arm around his shoulder. And the son looked over and said, I, I tried to thank you for everything. I don't know what I missed. And the dad looked down at him, he said, if it wouldn't have started with the belief in your dream, none of this other stuff would have mattered. We, we wouldn't have made it to the goat cart track if I didn't believe in your dream from the beginning. We, we, we wouldn't have raced the races that we raced if I didn't believe in your dream in the beginning. I wouldn't have got up early on Saturday mornings and helped you put this goat cart back together after you wrecked it if I didn't believe in you in the beginning. He said, son, let me tell you something. Sometimes blessings can take you away 
from the biggest blessing. And I believe our message this morning is God is saying, I'm going to continue to bless you. As I said, I would do time and time again. But don't get away from that first thing. That first thing that before you were even formed, that first thing that happened over 2,000 years ago, that first thing that happened out on Calvary's cross, that first thing that happened when he was stretched wide, nails in his hand, pierced in his side, hung there, put in a tomb, left for three days. But early that Sunday morning, he got up with all power. That's the catalyst for everything. The fact that he sent his son to die for you, that's the first thing that matters. That's the ultimate thing that matters. Because the scripture says this, grass withers, the flower fadeth, but it's the word that stands forever. If you look at the book of John, he says, I am the word. And he became flesh and dwelt among us. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes to the Father but by me. And so we have to make sure as believers in Jesus Christ that we keep the main thing the main thing. And what is the main thing? The main thing is that he sent his only begotten son that came down 42 generations, lived a blameless 33 years, and was still worthy and spotless to hang on a rugged cross and take on the sins of the world, both past, present, and future, so that whosoever believeth shall have eternal life. The young boy looked up at his father, and he said, Dad, I thank you for believing in me. And the father wept. This morning, I believe that as I preached about last week, the memory verse again, Jesus wept. I believe that Jesus can be moved to compassion. The Bible tells us time and time again when he saw different situations, it says he was moved with compassion. I believe that if we make sure in this Thanksgiving season, in the days, months, weeks, years to come, that we thank him for his sacrifice on Calvary's cross for us. He'll be moved to compassion. Not only will he be moved to compassion, but I believe He'll open up the door for greater blessings to come. But as Paul instructed the church in Thessalonica, he said, in all things, give thanks. So thank him for what he's going to do. Thank him for what he's done. But always thank him for the best thing he could have ever done. I want to pray for you before I get ready to get out of here. I pray that you go back and you remember where you were 
the day you first believe. I grew up in a church and they used to sing the song talking about Calvary, where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart, they rolled away. It was there by grace, I received my sight and now I'm happy all the day. And they shout on Calvary. What was your Calvary experience? Do you remember where you first received them? Or have you received them? He's been gracious even in the midst of some of you not even having accepted him yet. But imagine how much better it could be. If you give your life to him. Imagine the jolt of energy you'll get from him if you think back to where you first believed. See, I remember it was the Sunday before my 21st birthday. I still remember I can tell you exactly where I was sitting at. If we're walking in Rock Grove Amazon, there's three sections. One to the right, there's one in the middle, and one to the left. There's two aisles. It was a Sunday evening service. A pastor from North Carolina was leading the evening revival. And I was about four rows up on the right side. And he gave the call to salvation. And there was something tugging at my heart. There was something that that was stirring my heart. And it caused me to get up. And I walked to the altar. And I bowed before the throne of Jesus. And I gave my life to him. And if he never does anything else, even if 40 doesn't happen, I'm gracious that he gave me the blessed assurance that eternal life is mine. So I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you that if you haven't received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you will have that type of encounter, that type of moment where you can be assured that Jesus is Lord of your life. And if he comes back tomorrow, because Jesus was, Paul rather was talking in that particular letter to the church, uh, to the Thessalonians, he, he said that Jesus was coming back. And he was talking, if you go back and read that chapter four and chapter five, he was talking about Jesus coming back. He was like, you know, don't, don't sleep, Jesus is coming. I don't have to worry about y'all because y'all are children of the light, so you're gonna be prepared. So I want you to be prepared. And the only way you can be prepared is to have Jesus as the Lord of your life. So let me pray for you. Father, I thank you that you've given us another opportunity to hear the call to salvation. 
Father, there may be someone here who has never cried out, I yield. Father, there may be someone here who has never cried out, what must I do to be saved, set free, and delivered? But today, God, they've heard you. They, they, they've been busy giving thanks for everything else. But God, this morning, they want to be like that little boy and come back and say thanks for the thing that mattered. They want to thank you. They want to accept you as Lord of their life. Father, I thank you that there's no proving yourself with you. We don't have to prove ourselves. But you said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. Father, you said, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that your son Jesus died and was raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Father, you said those things. And so, Father, our prayer this morning is this, that somebody's cried out, what must I do to be saved? That somebody's responded to your call. And not only did they respond, but they said, come into their life, be the Lord of their life. Now God surround them with people that'll cultivate their relationship, that'll allow their relationship to grow and become mature in you. Father, I thank you for this ministry. I thank you for this church that's been battle-tested, that's standing the test of time, that's going to continue to stand the raise the blood-stained banner of Jesus Christ, to continue to release the gospel to dying men and women, to let them know that Jesus still loves them and he wants to save them. Father, I pray for the leadership of this church. I pray for every member of this church. And Father, I just pray that you would continue to show yourself strong and mighty because you are an amazing God. If you heard this message today, I believe the response to it is to have a moment of prayer, a moment of reflection, and give him thanks for that thing. And that thing is sending his son, Jesus Christ, to Calvary's cross for you. Listen, I love you. I'm praying for you. And I believe without a shadow of a doubt that in the end, we still win. Quick announcement again as we wrap up this worship experience. On next week, we'll be worshiping again um, by way of live stream, Facebook, YouTube, uh, our website. If you don't know our website, it's www.emberchurch.com. Um, you can find us on YouTube at Ember Church Chester, and then you can find us as well on Facebook, Ember Church. I believe it's Chester. You'll see our E, um, our standard logo, but you can find us there. You can follow us, and we encourage you um, during this holiday season, stay safe, be safe, wash your hands, sanitize them, wear your mask, uh, do social distancing, all those things that I believe would help us all stay safe. And so for the next couple, this week, next week rather, we'll be coming to you guys by way of a live stream um, and we'll be praying for you. We'll be letting you know that no matter there's a little distance between us, but we believe that God will fill that void. We love you. We're praying for you. And until the next time, God bless you. God bless you. And may heaven smile upon you. Be blessed.